He scored the hat-trick that took him to the finals. And he's missed it, it's been saved. But we've seen the hand of God in the stands, we might just have seen the hand of God. David Silva here, in amongst the legs, brilliant composure. Ricardo steps across at the other end. Oh, that's a gift for Rebic, who finishes it absolutely magnificently. Danger's not passed. Still might be something here. There is something here. Oh, awesome. Iceland level. Marcelo. By Coutinho. What a goal that is. Lift off for Brazil. It's Ronaldo. Hello and welcome to the Total Football Podcast World Cup 2018 coverage. I'm Declan Hart, joining me as ever is Andrew Conway. Hello. The group stages have finally finished, it's taken two whole weeks to eliminate half of the field, but what has been your favourite moment of the tournament so far? I think a lot of the, my favourite moments have occurred in the last couple of days that we've reached the the terminus of this group stage. I'm mainly thinking of Mitsu Bashwai celebrating Yanisai's goal in the Belgian-England match and managing to kick the ball against the post and then rebound it into his face. Yeah, that was pretty good. I, I I forgot to mention that on my daily diary for yesterday because that was that was truly hilarious. It was. It made Ronnie Whelan on the RT commentary even start <laughs> laughing, laugh? laughing uncontrollably, just <laughs> laughing away. Ha 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 ha! Uh, I didn't hear that. Now. No, it was it, it was a pretty that. it was a pretty special moment. The other great moment I have to say is probably the Argentinian uh, commentary for when uh, Rojo scored that goal. Uh, against uh, Nigeria to put Nigeria into, to put Argentina rather into the knockout stages when uh, the commentator basically just started faltering as he said Argentina it's like Argentina as they scored you know. <laughs> didn't he at one point call like Argentino yeah I think he called them Argentino I think he was point. just gone and al- yeah. also after the match there was a lovely moment uh, I don't know if you saw this either but yeah this this was really good if I know if I th- if I know what you're saying is the Messi with the journalists from Argentina yeah. who said, you know, a while ago, I don't know when the original uh, incident was, but... Uh, it was the Iceland match, wasn't it? Was it after the Iceland match? The journal- I think it was after, on the 16th. I think it was after the Iceland match. The uh, journalist goes and says, oh, my mother loves you more than she loves me. Here, take this ribbon. My mother gave it to me, blah, blah, blah. And It's a good luck it's charm. It's a good luck like. charm. You know, you can do what you want with it. Please be careful with it, though. 
And, you know, Messi took it because, you know, he obviously knows who these journalists are. He deals with them on a regular enough basis and everything like that. And he's very affable when it comes to journalists, Messi. He doesn't like to get on their bad side. He doesn't necessarily get on their good side either, but he doesn't tr- doesn't try to upset journalists. But anyway, after the match last night, he was being congratulated in the... Uh, not last night, but... Uh, was it on last night? Nigeria. No, they didn't play last oh, night. Oh, sorry. Well, I meant against Nigeria. I yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah, in the, after the third group match, uh, Messi was met the same journalist again in the mix zone post match, and he said, oh, "I don't know if you remember, but I gave you the ribbon." And Messi just stopped him, and you know, pointed him down on his feet, and uh, around his left foot was his mother's ribbon wrapped around. It yeah, under, under yeah, his that, sock. that really was that really was a touching moment. Like the, it was nice of him. Like it was just a wonderful reaction from the journalist. Like yeah. afterwards, when Messi had walked away, like he just pointed his two hands up at the sky as if he was like praying to God, like "Oh, thank you for this moment." Thank you for this moment with Messi. Like it was, yeah, I, like it was just Messi. It's very wholesome. Yeah, Messi still got to be a bit angsty with him as well in the whole interview, though. But because he said, "Oh, is that the goal that scored the goal?" And Messi's like, "No, it was the other foot." Yeah, just, you know, <laughs> just shut up. Like, and that was it. Like Messi left it with that. Yeah, it was such an awkward... It was like almost David Cameron-esque, yeah. the way he just walked off stage. It was a bit strange. Stage. Yeah, so funny. Uh, yeah, I think to to go back to earlier in the group stages, I think Ronaldo scoring that free kick was probably one of my favourite moments in the group stages, just because it was like... I was sitting at home watching it, like already very entertained, and I was sitting there thinking, he's not scoring this. He's, yeah. There's no way. He never scores free kicks anymore. And then, obviously, the free kick was amazing. It was just a wonderful moment mm. of the whole team came together and celebrated, like, this guy who would carry them in this match. They carried them in every match, effectively. Yeah, that that was, like, that was a... That, and, like, that was a good... Like, that was the second day of the World Cup, the yeah. first full day. Like, that was that was when you kind of got the feeling of, oh, this, this could be really good, this World Cup. Yeah, and the amount of, like, goals in this World Cup as well as so far has been very encouraging that there's excitement right to the end. Like, I'm just thinking even... South Korea teams are giving up. Yeah, exactly. South Korea, Germany had late goals. Uh, Brazil against Costa Rica had very late goals, and they're important to the you know the swing of the whole thing. England against uh, Tunisia had a late equaliser from Harry Kane, which actually turned out to be quite that important. Argentina Argentina winner as well. Argentina, yeah, that game as well. Uh, like all of them, like I, I'm missing some in my head. So obviously Germany against Sweden, it didn't really matter in the end as Sweden ended up winning the group, but. That amazing timing of Tony Kroos' free kick into the top of the net. Yeah, like it really was a great group stage. Like it is easy to say, especially because we are uh, going through it right now. It's very easy to say, "Oh, this is the best group stage ever." Mm-hmm. But it certainly had some of the greatest moments. Yeah, it's, I think it's had good moments. I wouldn't necessarily say it's the greatest group stage ever because to be, we've had surprises and shocks in this group stage, which is something to be you know, proud of and happy about that we've had so many, you know, kind of variations of it. But we haven't had the breakaway success story that, you know, other World Cups have had, even in the last time around, Colombia getting through and being so good in 2014 was a surprise. Uh, Costa Rica getting through was a surprise. You know, we have, we always have big teams going out of the group stage. Happens in every single World Cup, whether it's Italy in 2010 or England and Italy again in 2014 or whether it's Germany this time around. You always get those big teams going out early on in the World Cup, but you you don't always get the the minnows coming through like you did in previous World Cups. And I don't think we have any really in this. Japan is probably the biggest shocker to get into the last sixteen. Yeah, and even then, I wouldn't go around calling them a minnow either. No, they're unfancied and they're you know a limited side, but they're 
they had a favorable enough group and they were you know very they're very worth their place in the last 16 because of what they did in the end they, they got the results against the teams they need to get the results against and by the time they lost to Poland in the third group match it didn't matter as much yeah, I thought it was a bit unfortunate that the way it played out that Senegal did get knocked out mm. like just because they got a couple extra yellow cards. Like, that's very harsh. Yeah, but I wanted a penalty shootout, to be quite honest. Yeah, penalty, like they should have just got them all in a helicopter yeah. and brought them over. I don't care how far or away the stadiums Or even rock, paper, scissors, were. or, you know, flip a coin. Even just to flip a coin, yeah, yeah that's what I was saying. Like, I just think a flip of the coin would have been fairer than a couple of yellow cards. Yeah. Like, yeah, but... Either way, I think Japan and Senegal, Senegal, they both had a fair claim to getting out of that. Oh group yeah, as well. absolutely. And you know, Colombia ended up getting it in the end. But and I suppose yeah, you have to look at it that Senegal had their, you know, they had their fate in their hands. Yeah, true. Like if they just held on, yeah, nil nil, they'd have gone yeah. through. It was very farcical the way Japan were just plastering it amongst themselves, happy to. Uh, just happy to accept a one defeat. Yeah, well, like the man, the match didn't matter as much, and you know, it was, yeah, it was pretty. It was a pretty poor form, but it happens, and that's you can't really stop that. That's human nature. If you have, you know, perfect communication, perfect information, the way they did, that they knew what they had to do, and they knew what they were doing was all right. Why would you? Why would you change anything? Why would you extend yourself if you wanted to save yourself for the last sixteen match now against uh, Belgium? Yeah, I, I completely understand why they did it. It's just as a viewer, it's incredibly disappointing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Not a spectacle at all. Yeah, it's the opposite of that. It's, it's against the spirit of the World Cup as well. Yeah, well, um, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that for a different conversation. Yeah, but that, that, that's been the group stages of the World Cup. I think, I think it's been pretty good. Yeah. But uh, it's time for the knockout rounds, the nitty-gritty of it all. And we're starting with the big one. It's France against Argentina, Saturday, 3 o'clock. How do you see it going? At this point, I don't know. Like, uh, I tend to get my predictions wrong when it comes to Argentina for some reason. I think they're going to. I think Nigeria are going to do them in the last group stage, and they come out and they get the victory, and they play like a basket case still. But you know, they play well on the offensive side of things. You know, Messi actually puts in a performance, even if it's in little bursts and fits, and it's more him dragging uh, defenders out of the way to make space for his teammates. The way, like, I think he doesn't really get enough credit for the. The second goal for Rojo, not that he deserves much credit for it, but there was a lot of players on Messi and not one player on Rojo for that cross and the finish. So I don't think France will be that naive. They'll know that Messi's a risk. There's Barcelona teammates in the French team, like Umtiti and... Uh, I don't, is that the only French player who plays for Barcelona? Um, uh, I, feel like, I feel like there's another defender there, but I can't Matthew think of isn't in the squad, so. is he? Is the left back one of the reserve left backs out of Barcelona? No, not Hernandez. I think one of the other. Oh, maybe I, I don't know. Maybe one of the other left backs are. But yeah, the, like the French will probably know Messi a bit better in terms of. Yeah, ever ever like it's hard not to know Messi anyway. No, but like, they'll, they'll have first hand experience. Like in terms of Varane, will have a lot when it comes to Real Madrid, and as we said, uh, Umtiti plays with him at club level, and you know, there's plenty of players in there who've had a lot of experience playing against Messi. You know, and they know how to set up against them and how to defend against them. And they know as well that this Argentine defence can definitely be got at. And at this point, I don't think Sao Paulo is going to make a lot of changes from that third group match. You mean Javier Mascherano? Sao Paulo, I was talking about. Yeah. He's not going to make it. Yeah, I don't think he's going to wholesale change the way he did from between the second and third match. 
Yeah, uh, but the problem there, though, is that, like, France, on paper, like, you want them to go with that Argentinian defense because it's such a great French attack on paper, but then the way they've played, they've been so lethargic, like, they're just far too functional for a side of their quality. Yeah, like, I I like watching France in little bits and pieces because there's such talent in the team. Like, you have Pogba, you have the young... Like Pavar and Hernandez are very exciting as they are attacking fullbacks, and you still have Varane and Umtiti being you know young and a bit of pacey, so they're they're saying compact in defence. That not to mention obviously Griezmann and uh, Mbappe up front who are just trying to do different things every now and again. But as you said, they're very functional. Deschamps sets them up in a way to do a bare minimum job to kind of get them over the line to keep control of the match. And they've been very passive when in front of goal. Like they haven't been clinical at all when it comes to taking chances. And they scored three goals. Yeah, and they weren't to get in the hard, toughest group at all. They were qualified after two matches. They didn't weren't really stretched defensively, which is something they definitely will be. So like, we don't know how good of a tournament Kante's having yet because he hasn't been forced to run a huge amount more than he normally does. We haven't seen the. Teams get a Pogba in a defensive way. We haven't seen whether, you know, we don't know whether he's going to go for Matuidi or he's going to go for someone else in midfield, uh, Deschamps. Like, there's a lot of permutations still to come. Like, it, I don't know. Like, how do you think France are, France are going to set up against Argentina? Are they going to try and go at them? Or are they just going to try and do what France have done so far and be very, okay, we're going to have the ball a lot and we'll probably score because we've got a lot of talent, but we're not going to really try and create much. I think they're going to kind of get the onus to Argentina. I think Argentina are actually going to, despite having a a far weaker midfield, I think Argentina are going to be given time on the ball. I think it's going to be, all right, you're not very good. Try and break us down. Mm -hmm. And if you can't, we'll catch you on the counterattack. I don't think it's going to be exciting from France. I think all the excitement will come really from Argentina or, you know, maybe France will have that pace in the counter I think it really depends on if Giroud does start. Like, I don't think he should against Argentina. Oh, I think he will. I, don't, I, I think he will. I don't think he should be starting anyway. I just think it's completely ridiculous that he's the focal point of mm. the attack when they have Griezmann, they have Mbappe, they have Dembele, and the players they've left at home as well. Yeah. Like Lacazette, like Martial, like others that I'm like him, just not Like Karim Benzema, over. even. Yeah, like Karim Benzema, who hasn't played for, what, four years now? Yeah. For France? Yeah, like... Like, I have no real problem against Giroud as a, as a player. Like, he did a great job at Arsenal when he was called upon. Won the FA Cup for Chelsea. Not, yeah, won the FA Cup for Chelsea, but he's just not the player he's this not, France yeah, team should be relying on. He's not He's not of the same class or level as Griezmann or Mbappe, and he's the one exactly. that meant they're looking to at the moment for leadership in it. Yeah, I know what you're saying about Giroud, but with this Argentine centre-back partnership and with the fact that Mascherano is probably going to be in there, whether he, you know, fit or not, and sane or not he's probably going to be in there charged with marshalling both Griezmann and Mbappe you know to cover that space that they're going to be operating in that kind of they're going to be playing in the gap between the defence and attack or midfield and attack for France and I don't really fancy Mascherano against that and then maybe Giroud is the person to kind of muscle Rojo out of the way I don't know what's going to happen with Otamendi or See, this is the thing. Argentine, the Argentine side is so changeable. I think it's it's what what Sao Paulo did, or if he did it, or if Messi decided that their change of formation was due. What they did in the last game was interesting because they went to a much more conservative, orthodox 
midfield defence partnership and an attack that was very an old school attack, almost an early early two thousands, late nineties of a kind of proper two up front, a little man and a big man, if you can call Higuain a big man, and playing balls to them and getting crosses to them and getting quick ball up to them. You know, it could be something that France aren't capable of defending against. Yeah, it's they're not used to it. It's like when you suddenly there was a time there where when they sw- when every team switched to five in midfield and one in attack, defenders didn't know what to do with themselves, and suddenly everyone's midfield was overrun, so they had to adapt to it. And then when the odd team would switch back to two attackers, the defenders who had grown up only having to marshal one attacker didn't know what to do, even though they had the numbers to match, they didn't know how to defend against it. And like, how often would Varane and Umtiti play against two strikers? Especially two strikers, yeah, especially you know, in, because of Spain, you especially wouldn't see that. Yeah. Like they play their club fo- football in Spain. Yeah. yeah, that's that's interesting. I just I feel like oh, the two of those defenders have the quality that they should be able to cope with that kind of tactics. I think it will be interesting those, those players cope because Argentina do have a quality to have quality players in attack. So mm-hmm. there is quality v quality there. It is just as you say, Javier Mascherano and Otamendi and Rojo. Like yeah. it, there is. It's easy to see them getting overrun by, or even overawed by the French attack, yeah. provided it, it actually plays the way we want them to play, the way we as fans want them to play, the way that we hope they play. Yeah, and that is the big question mark. We don't know whether they will play that way or will they just be the way they've been so far and disappointing and this will be Deschamps' last match. Like on paper, coming up to the match, you can't really bet against France for this match. They have. The quality throughout the side, they like in every single position, they have depth, they have high quality world class players in every single position on the field. Like it's arguable they have the best squad yeah. at the World yeah. Cup. Like whereas Argentina, like they aren't in that convers- no, that kind of conversation not at all. because they have clear weaknesses in their squad. Yeah. But then there's there's just the problem of like ha- France have kind of sleeped their way into the last sixteen, whereas Argentina have built their momentum yeah. and like momentum is everything in knockout it football. Is, especially like, in the World is, Cup. It's huge. Uh, yeah. It harks back to 2006 in Zidane's France when France were nothing in the first couple of matches and then it was informed that basically Zidane had a, you know, Zidane and Friere and Makaleli and Henri and a few of the senior French players decided to take it on themselves and actually give it a go and they did in 2006 and they got to the World Cup final and it was all, every time it was, you know, basically a World Cup final every single round they played it like it was their last match every single round and that's the way San Paoli is building it up it's yeah. five finals and they've already gotten through the first exactly. round against Nigeria and if France aren't up for it Argentina could just over you know overpower them through sheer you know not willpower but just sheer momentum as you said and you know testosterone and uh, exhilarating football and getting you know if they can capture what like the feeling that you saw Rojo on Rojo's face when he scored the goal and Messi jumped on his back. He was absolutely elated. Like, I doubt he'd ever felt yeah, like that before. That, that, that is one of the great images as yeah. well, I think, of, of the group stages. Like, it would be funny for Argentina to begin there if they play, like, if Messi carries them like Zidane carries France, it'll be funny that the first team they knock out in the, in the last 16 is France. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But, Again, that that we won't really know about that no. until July fifteenth no. as well. So we can't make that comparison really until then. Mm-hmm. But how do you see like who do you see going through? It has to be France at this point. Just on paper, they have the better team. Like my head, my head says France. My heart says Argentina. Just for the messy angle, but France at this point. 
Yeah, I, like I, I think that's a fair assessment. Like I, I'm, I think I'll, I'll rule up my heart this time, and I, I'll say Argentina okay. to go through. Uh, but then uh, on Saturday at seven o'clock, Uruguay Portugal. Uh, a much and, much less this, an exciting prospect. Like th- like this is the supposed harder side of the draw. This is like this is what the England and Belgian fans were building up to. Like oh, we need to avoid this mm-hmm. part of the draw. And Uruguay Portugal are two sides that like no one would really want you, to you, play. You, yeah, you don't want to play them. Yeah, they're they're and, they're hard teams basically. Like Portugal are extremely functional. They're one of the most successful functional sides of the last couple of decades. They obviously won the European Championships. They have one of the best players in the world in Cristiano Ronaldo at the forefront of it, who is performing in this World Cup, even if he didn't really in the last match, missing a penalty and barely avoiding a red card. But like the the rest of the team, William Carvalho, the strong, big, boisterous players like Rui Patricia even in goal is a is a big man who you know takes he, some he's having and, a good tournament he as is, well. he's absolutely he's a, he's, a, he's a good keeper he's gone has he gone signed for Wolves recently he, he cancelled yeah, his contract that, that, that with Sporting and has signed for Wolves and there's a lot more leaving Sporting as well uh, and a lot of them play for Portugal like they're a solid team they, they're together they're they've obviously won the European Championship they have a good team ethos going and, you know, the ethos of give the ball to Ronaldo or create space for Ronaldo. There's a lot of experience in that attack, not just from Cristiano Ronaldo. They have, you know, uh, Ricardo Quaresma, who scored that fantastic goal in the last last game of the group stages to, you know, basically that solidified their position in, in the tournament, uh, as it turned out. But the other, the other players, there's experience, there's youth. They have a good mix. On the other side, it's almost Uruguay or almost the way Portugal were two years ago in the European Championships they're a hard team without you know they've got ageing greats in the likes of Luis Suarez and Edison Cavani and you know uh, Godin is there as well isn't he um, yeah and uh, I think I'm not sure is Jimenez supposed to be fit yet but oh, like, really? if, like that that is a huge boost for them if he is back in yeah. time they're a solid team they've got a lot of experience ahead, but then there's a lot of youth in the team that is inexperienced and kind of untested at this part of the tournament it'll be a question to see whether there's enough between the two groups to actually carry them through they were very functional in in the group stages they won their matches they did what they had to do and they got through it but they were not exciting <laughs> they were not they did not play fancy football they did not play any flair any sexy soccer there was none of that to be seen in their performances and i don't see any happening in this match either I think it'll be a hard and rough match. It'll probably be close, so it could be entertaining in that regard. I think it's going to be tense, it's going to be tight, but I think there's not going to be a lot of chances. Like It is going to come down to who's the more ruthless in front of goal. Is it going to be a penalty shootout? That's that's where I was kind of leading to. I think it could. I think this could be the the most likely game in the last sixteen to get a uh, penalty shootout. Obviously, there could be plenty of games that get one, but I think of the of the matches there, I think this is the most likely one. Mm. Well, uh, who um, do you think is going to come through with it? I think Uruguay are going to go through it just because I think they have that bit more quality other than uh, Ronaldo of Portugal. Yeah. And I think if there is going to be one team to actually target Ronaldo, it's going to be Uruguay as He's well. He's going to make his life hell for, for a nice Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is, as I said, the two Atletico Madrid defenders are center back, yeah. so they'll know, they'll know exactly how to deal Ronaldo. with Ronaldo and how to shut him up and how to quiet him. Yeah, I see what you mean with it, but I, I still think that Uruguay probably are not there yet with their youth, and they mightn't have the you know graft to really silence Ronaldo 
like these two players are great, but Ronaldo will draw a lot of do a lot of attention and get, leave space for the younger yet experienced teammates that are in the team, the Andre Silvas of the world, to maybe get a goal and maybe settle this. Yeah, like I, I am actually kind of looking forward to this match, even though I, I completely get that it could finish nil nil and there could be like one shot on target the whole match. Yeah, I just I kind of want to see these two teams play some more just to get more of an idea of them. Yeah, because like one of them's going to the quarterfinals, one of them's playing France or Argentina, and one of them's going to make France that's... and Argentina say like if we got an Argentina Uruguay quarterfinal, that would be some match. And then of course we could get a European Championship final. Rematch yeah. with France Portugal. I think that would, would be, be less, interesting. yeah, less exciting than the rivalry between Uruguay and Argentina. It probably, yeah, but hopefully more exciting than that Euro season hopefully, final. Hopefully, and then the third last sixteen match, uh, Brazil Mexico, Monday three p.m. Probably the best game on paper. Uh, Mexico have been disappointed since their first match. I think they flattered to deceive. You can kind of see that maybe Germany were that bad in the first match. Mexico were a group of aging journeyman pros really because there's a lot of people there's a lot of players who played for a lot of teams in that Mexico side they're always the you know bridesmaid never the bride Mexico someday they will do well always they always get knocked out in the second round yeah that's kind of their thing they never I think quarterfinals they made the quarterfinals twice in 86 and 70 when they hosted they'll host again I think they made I think they made the semi-final in one of those no it was quarters both times was it they've only ever made it that far it's like that's it. Like they kind of just get knocked out at that point. They don't even get. They go out with a damp squib as well. They never really get beaten by one of the big teams in one of the most memorable matches. It's unfortunate. But for there them. is. But there is this whole uh, camaraderie at the moment. Of like five games. Like they're building up the fifth game because obviously getting knocked out in the last sixteen means you only play four games. Yeah. In the World Cup, so there's a lot of chanting going around about oh five games, five games. Like the, obviously Mexico, very well supported team. They I, like they lost three 0 to Sweden, but like yeah, and they were poor. Yeah, they were poor, and they conceded a lot of chances. But I think they have a bit more history with Brazil, and like normally teams would have an inferiority complex against Brazil. But I don't think Mexico will suffer that same. No, no, I think they'll of, be up for uh, the match. Problem. Yeah, that, you're right. I don't think they'll be overly yeah. awed by the Brazilian players, and I think they'll let the same way you were talking about Uruguay maybe letting. Uh, Ronaldo know that they're there I would imagine that Mexico are going to let Neymar know that they're in a real match that they're not playing Europeans anymore and they will give and them I a think good that kicking despite despite the fact that Germany like they Germany did ultimately get knocked out I think that victory against Germany still could play a big part in this match just because it could give them the confidence yeah. of we can go up against one of the big sides yeah. and we can take them on yeah and Germany beat Brazil 7-1 four years ago with mostly the same teams so yeah you can you can see the you can see it there I just don't see beyond Brazil in this match I think I was very disappointed at the way they behaved and played for large parts of the group stages they've shown great They've shown great shape at times, great team effort, and that's the type of team effort you need to win a World Cup. But at the same time, Neymar's still there, messing about, holding on to the ball, not squaring the ball to his teammates when they're in excellent positions to score, like putting his team at risk. As he did, like he did it multiple times against Costa Rica. He, I know he did the rainbow flick, but you know that match was still in the balance at that point. Like the it could have gone either way. Costa Rica could have got a chance and scored and wrecked Brazil's whole World Cup potentially. But he decided to do it, and I know that takes cojones, as they say. But I don't know the the match. The match against Serbia was a bit ridiculous as well, where he was 
he was beating players and beating them again and there's like I was watching I said Coutinho's there he squared the ball to Coutinho he'll tap it in and no he won't square it to Coutinho and there there was even a point where and it was eventually called offside but they weren't to know this at the time that Coutinho took a shot and Neymar actually blocked it from going in yeah you see that's like no one it wasn't really made like no one really made much about it after like during this but I like that still could be like a real sign of what Neymar could become throughout the rest of his competition. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it is very worrying. And I think maybe they're fortunate and they're not coming up against, I don't want to downplay Mexico, but they're not a top five world. You know, if Brazil were playing Germany, well, Germany are gone, but if Brazil were playing France or Argentina or name me another team that's right up there, Spain, Spain you know, a, a team that is grit, has determination, has speed, has quality, and has the experience in big matches that the similar to what Neymar has. They're not taking that stuff from Neymar. They're putting him down, and the you know it's the Brazil are going to suffer from that because even a clever defender, the likes of Rafael Varane or the likes of name another really good defender, Silva or uh, Godin, Diego Godin, yeah. If Neymar does his little flick where he waits and he holds on the ball and he flicks the ball. They'll let him flick the ball and then they'll take him out of it. Or they'll put the rest yeah. of the team... It was like, okay, we don't need to worry about this guy. He's just going to play around with the ball. He's not going to do anything. He doesn't have the team... Like, like Brazil do have great teammates, but they don't seem to get the... Like, uh, Gabriel Jesus is a good player. Firmino is a good player. Coutinho is a good player. Willian is a good player. Paulinho is a good player. Like, they, these are excellent players in the world stage. They're Champions League... You know, champ- some of them are Champions League winners and there's a lot of Champions League experience in there. They're, they're top-grade footballers. And Neymar doesn't treat them the same respect he treated Luis Suarez and Leo Messi when he used to assist for them all the time. I know he got an assist in the match against Serbia, but it was kind of by default, if anything, from a corner kick. It wasn't down to his like willing of like, oh, I'm going to square this ball to a guy in a better position. If Neymar can take a shot, he'll take a shot. And then when like the ball did go in, he was merely pointing at himself of like, oh yeah, that was my ball yeah. kind of yeah. thing. Like he's he's becoming the ego is landed like obviously with him like he's making Cristiano Ronaldo look humble the way Ronaldo celebrated with yeah. Cresma the last day it's where you know he was happy for Cresma like yeah the two of them were clearly get on very well yeah and like. he was happy that he scored the goal like but and then you contrast that to the way that you know the Thiago Silva goal and it was like the one team is harmonious and one team isn't yeah, like I do think Brazil will go through, but I don't think they will go on and win the competition. No, it'll be very tough for them to do that. And then the final game on this side of the draw, uh, Belgium-Japan, probably the most uninteresting match in this side of the draw. Yeah, possibly uh, Belgium, Monday, 7 o'clock. Belgium won their right to play Japan. They beat England comfortably in the end with their kind of both B teams or semi-B teams coming on. And uh, It's all about Ananya. It was a fantastic goal against... You know, it was yeah. The first choice England def- you know, defenders at that point it was uh, was it Harry Maguire he faced up against and it was Jordan Pickford and it was most likely Danny Rose who will probably go on and start the next game. Like he did his, he did fantastically well. After that he kind of was a bit playing a bit of a glory. He was taking a few shots when he probably could have passed the ball a bit better and was eventually taken off. But he, very good. He's yet to score a goal in the league for Real Sociedad since he went there and. He had a horrid time at Borussia Dortmund and Sunderland prior to that. So this is the first glimpse. And he, I suppose against England, he really could get his, himself up for it, that he wanted to show off that he wasn't just a flash in the pan who failed and got relegated with Sunderland and never really could achieve anything. He is, you know, an, a player worthy of the World Cup and worthy of scoring against England. 
Yeah, because I remember you mentioned he has a score for Real Sociedad. I do remember a story at the start of the, uh, last season that he was going to celebrate his first goal by kind of honouring it to Louis van Gaal in a sarcastic way. Yeah. So he obviously yet to do that, yeah. which is kind of funny you know, I think about it. It is a bit funny. <laughs> but yeah, Yanazai is something. And I, he might get us... Like, I think... Fortunately for Roberto Martinez, you know, I think does he play Brazil likely to play Brazil or Mexico in the quarterfinal if they get through Japan? Obviously, that is the likely permutation. And you know, if they do, I think, I think Martinez is lucky. He's going to get another match to kind of experiment. I think we will see a much stronger Belgium side against Japan. Where he will put out. The real, the real Hazard will play the match, not the not the. De Bruyne will be playing. Yeah, De Bruyne as well. will be playing. If Lukaku's fit. Lukaku will definitely be playing. You see Witzel, you see Mertens play a lot more of the match. You'll see their first, you know, you'll see the actual Tottenham centre backs playing, and not poor uh, Thomas Vermaelen getting probably cussed by the looks of things. And Vincent Kompany. What happened with him? I completely Jamie Vardy that. and him were having a niggly affair the whole match, and Vardy at one stage headed back and as Romalan headed forward and I think Vardy was out to get him at that point and really you know he walked away sheepishly Vardy after after doing that and uh, that, I should have known it was Jamie yeah. Vardy that he got it messed and up and then kind of Romalan wasn't really right after that and he eventually got subbed and Vincent Company came back on came on for him rather for his first appearance at the World Cup I don't think Company will play I don't think Romalan will play I think it'll return to the back four. Courtois looks very solid in this World Cup. He's very commanding. He looks massive in that goal, to be fair to him. He looks a lot more confident than he did with Chelsea all season. And they appear to be enjoying their football. Thierry Henry and all the strikers, they seem to be working. They seem to be working together. Their finishing is fantastic at the moment, whether Henry's had an, an effect on that or whether they're just at play, you know, they're actually playing at the level that they should be playing at. Yeah, and then Japan is probably the weakest side left yeah, in the draw. Yeah, you have to say well. that they're the last Asian representatives. Yeah. They're the last non-European South American slash except Central, for Mexico, yeah, as Central well. American, I suppose as well. They're the last team that's not from the Americas or Europe that is left in the tournament. They've surprised us all the way. Like they, you know, Poland isn't real gauge of where they are they kind of knew what they were doing and as you said it was a bit they made they made changes going into that yeah match, they knew right? what they were doing they were in the pole position to go through they only had to really avoid defeat and to actually not they only had to they needed a draw basically to guarantee their passage to the next round they didn't get that but they didn't get that after they kind of knew that they were going through anyway so and belgium suits them as much as england like they could have played either team any anywhere after this round would be a bonus for for Japan. They're not worried about the long term ramifications in the draw. So I I think they'll bow out gracefully. I think it'll be comfortable two 0 or something like that to to Belgium, and they'll probably you know want to. They won't be the absolute at their peak efficiency Belgium, but I think we'll see a lot more of closer to what we'll see when they likely play Brazil or Mexico in the quarterfinal. Uh, yeah, I I think Belgium will comfortably win. I think it'll be two, maybe three mm-hmm. nil as well, as you said. And uh, that'll do us for part one. Uh, join us uh, for after the break for part two, where we will preview the other half of the draw. David Silva here in amongst the legs, brilliant composure. Welcome back now and uh, part two for the second half of the draw starts on Sunday, three o'clock, Spain versus host Russia. How do you see that? This is a lot tighter than, you know, playing at home. I think they always say it's worth the win and a half, basically. 
uh, if you were the home side in the World Cup, it, it's worth that much more to you. And generally, it's why hosts perform better than expected or better than they, you know, form would suggest going into a tournament. Spain are yet to really impress. David de Gea appears to be going through some kind of existential crisis back there. He, there's rumours he's going to be dropped. Yeah, I, I, I can see why. Like, as I said to you before this tournament started and back when we were reviewing the Premier League season, de Gea has not had a good season. He's made mistakes. They've been kind of brushed under the carpet by the other performers in Manchester United. But like in a normal season, it would have been noticed, I think. Um, and he has continued that form into the World Cup. He's only faced he's only faced a few shots in the whole tournament, but he's let in. I think he's made one. Yeah, save he's let in so more far. goals than he's faced shots. I think that's the that is the uh, stat so far, which isn't that's not an encouraging stat, especially when you're Spain and you you know keep a tight shop. You have to have confidence in your keeper behind you. Who will come in though? Who will come in as the? Uh, it's a uh, Kepa. The, the player that Real Madrid almost signed about six or 12 months ago. Who does he play for now? From, I, he plays for some Spanish club that I can't remember now. Okay. He's young. He's he's pretty young. He's like... He's a Sevilla he, keeper like, or something, he's, is he? Uh, no, he's not a Sevilla, but I, uh, I can't yeah, remember I've completely, where he is I've now. completely not placed him. But yeah, that's you, I agree what you're saying. You know, it's a bit... It's a bit mad to think that they're replacing their goalkeeper going into a knockout game of the World Cup when they've, you know, they won their group you know, fairly comfortably. They weren't challenged too much. They didn't face too many shots. But... Uh, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say it was comfortable, though. Like, there was a brief period where it looked like they might be going out. Yeah, a very brief period. But, yeah, I get what you mean. It wasn't It wasn't for sure the whole way. But, I, yeah, Spain are looking dodgy in defence. They still have fantastic attack, if a bit slow. Apparently, you know, uh, what's called the the Spanish journalist who has all the scoops... Uh, Diego, Diego Torres. Torres said there is disharmony in the camp and Iniesta isn't happy with Isco and his attention seeking away from the unit uh, you know there is a very pro unit you know we're all a team type of atmosphere that they tried to create in the in the camp that you know even Sergio Ramos tries to promote as well as the Barcelona contingent and Isco is stepping away from that and some of the other younger Spanish players maybe the Real, the other Real Madrid contingent basically are trying to like no we are individual and we're expressing ourselves and we are better than these things and that's you know that's why they're taking shots instead of passing the ball and you know they're evolving Spanish football if you will away from tiki taka a bit and uh, there's no real manager to guide it or to put their foot down and tell them what how they should be playing so it's kind of an infight between the elderly Pique Iniesta Ramos and the younger Iscos Arsenio Asensios of this world yeah, like the whole thing with Julian Lopetegui, they kind of got away with it in the group stages, but it could really come back to bite yeah, them now. Yeah, especially in, if they get under pressure. Team. And Russia are going to have the full force of their home crowd behind them. Like the Russian fans have been decent so far. They've been loud in matches, but Russia haven't really had a huge challenge. The only the only like high-quality team they ended up playing was Uruguay, and that was in a dead rubber, effectively, for the group you know, to win the group. And they'd rested players as well, like the key man Golovin was rested, yeah. and he'll be back now for the last. And they were down season. to ten he men really as is, well when they, you know, yeah. So, like Golovin does seem very crucial to the way Russia play. Yeah. Like he is their chance to get through to the quarterfinals. Yeah, absolutely, and whether whether Spain have enough in their quality time because they are a superior side. They have better individual players. They have better. They play a better style of football, as in a more effective style of football than the high-pressuring, high line of, of Russia that can be got at, as we saw Uruguay do. But, you know, I 
you know, I, I think I want to say Russia in this one because Spain haven't been there. They haven't been impressive. They're elderly in a lot of a lot of aspects of the field. They're dodgy in defence. That goes without saying. Whether they keep De Gea and he's a liability or they drop De Gea and then there's a suddenly like a lack of confidence in the whole back line. I can see Russia getting at that. And if Russia hold out you know, the, against the possession football and actually use a high press against them, I think Russia could pounce on some errors in defence and get a goal or two and then do enough to bring them into the quarterfinals. Interesting, interesting. Now, obviously, the last time Spain did play the host of the competition, they got knocked out in controversial circumstances against South Korea yeah. in 2002. So, I don't foresee uh, something Spanish, like that happening again. The Spanish press are a bit wary of uh, that. Uh, they have been mentioning, yeah. kind of, oh, you know, keep an eye on the referee. But I think Spain will have the quality to see them through in this mm. match. Uh, I think the, I, I agree that they do have weaknesses at the back, but I think Russia won't be able to exploit them in the way that other teams this competition will go on to. Yeah. I just uh, I think quality will see Spain through yeah, possibly, uh, but then the next match that on Sunday seven o'clock uh, and it's all Europeans in this uh, side of the draw except Colombia, but this match is Croatia Denmark. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting tie because it's two very similar teams, two teams who like to play on the ground, who like to play control passing football, who have two lumbering centre forwards up front. You know, they're very similar in a lot of ways. They've solid at the back, two good keepers, two solid defences. It's basically solid against solid, rock against rock. And I don't know if a diamond's going to come out of this tie. I feel it's going to be very tiresome and very lumbering. Akin to, if you remember the Euros two years ago when Croatia got knocked out, I think by, was it by Portugal? Portugal. Where it was like, okay, you have a lot of good technical players, but do you have enough to break down a solid defence? And I feel Croatia, as I was, I had some worries about them before the group stage, which they completely eradicated by, you know, basically capitalizing on mistakes of their opponents every single time. That's how they got through the, the group, to be honest. Um, and I can see them maybe not getting the same joy from a very solid, very well-ordered, very, you know, gifted to, in, in some departments, certainly Christian Eriksen, and certainly like, Casper uh, Schmeichel, you know, high quality, technically gifted players that can maybe frustrate the Croatians. And as lo- the longer the match goes on, the longer you'd fancy the younger, fitter Danish side against this again another aging team. You know, fueled by midfielders in their mid thirties. Yeah, but like it, it really would be class of Croatia to go out in this match because it would be just exactly like what happened in Euro 2016 yeah. where they had an impressive group victory this time against Argentina, then against Spain. And then like it seems like they have momentum behind them. It seems like the squad are really together. And then they just come up against a team they should be beating and they just, uh, they just go out with a whimper. Yeah, yeah, I, can, I like, can definitely see it happen. I'd have Denmark, even though they're the less fancied on paper team, the less experience, the less big players uh, playing at big clubs. I think the Danes have a lot of pace in their youth, you know, coming through it. The and I don't think Croatia, if if their passing game doesn't get going, and if there aren't any big defensive mess-ups, I don't see them breaking through this strong defense that will play a deep lying line. Yeah, and like I think Croatia have kind of been worse than the sum of their parts at times. Like they they need to sort that out as well in this match. Or else. Yeah, like Christian Eriksen could be the crucial midfielder here in a match where some people might consider him the third best yeah. midfielder yeah. between him, Modric, and Rakitic. Yeah, because I don't like, see how 
the the key to beating Denmark or the key to restraining Denmark in any game I've seen is to get it at Christian Eriksen. That's the way they did it in the group stage to kind of whenever Denmark weren't playing well, it was because Christian Eriksen was basically shut down in a match. And I don't think Croatia have a player that can shut down Christian Eriksen. Like Rakitic isn't going to do it. Uh, Perisic isn't going to do it. Modric isn't going to do Brozovic. it. I don't think he has the ability to do him and cover like Thomas Delaney and whoever else is in midfield for Denmark that I can't quite remember right now. Yeah, but as you said, if he can just cover Christian Eriksen, then maybe that could be enough. It could be, but it creates a lot of space for other players then, and the other players have a lot more pace than Christian Eriksen and can run and can still pass the ball. As we saw in, I think, their one of the breakaway goals in the group stages, I remember them just playing balls right through the opposition because they were on Christian Eriksen and left a gap there. Yeah, like uh, Australia weren't a particularly great side of this competition, but I think Australia were better than Denmark when, in the match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peru were considered better than Denmark as well. Like uh, Denmark have gotten fortunate with how the how the tournament has played yeah, out. Yeah, you can say fortunate. I'd also say clinical because they basically stayed solid in the back. They've not been adventurous. They've not been the Danish side of nineteen eighty six. They've been conservative. They've waited for their moments and they've pounced on them. And I think they'll do the same against Croatia. It'll be like, you you might say it again after next week when, if they beat Croatia, you say, oh, Denmark were very fortunate against. I don't think it's fortunate when you do it by design. Yeah, like I'm just thinking of like Peru missing the penalty, Australia just being a bit wasteful in front of goal a couple of times, and then the France-Denmark match just being so convenient mm. for both teams. I think it was a bit fortunate for Denmark as opposed to clinical, strategic. And I think Croatia will probably go through in this match. Okay. We'll see, we'll wait and see. And the final two matches then are played on Tuesday, the three o'clock kickoff, yet another all European affair. Sweden against Switzerland. Not not uh, the most exciting. A, a, a surprising yeah. a surprising draw though. Like like Sweden very were retro. third in the group. Like they were third in the group a few days yeah. ago and all of a sudden they topped the group. Switzerland, they always they always just kinda get to the second round. Kind of like the European Mexico, I feel. Yeah, at this point, they're kind of getting that reputation, all right. Both time, both teams have good experience at this point, mixed in with a lot of youth, a lot of quick youth, and they showed that in the group stages. They played at times exciting football that was there. You know, I know it may not be everyone's cup of tea, but some of the football they played against Brazil, Switzerland in particular, was very exciting because they are playing such a high-quality team, constraining their play and also, you know, working at, on counter-attacks against them. And that is, you know, football to be plotted at as much as high-pressure, control, passing, you know, the tiki-taka type of football that, you know, a team like Spain will play. It, it, they're, they're different. They require different skills and different qualities but they're both uh, equally worthy and I think Switzerland have that in their locker and you know players like Shakiri, Licksteiner, uh, Jaka, they have experience that have been there and done it at, at the highest European level not necessarily winning anything but been there and done it at the highest European level and it's kind of something Swedish players don't have they do have a lot of they not a lot but they do have some experience in there they have a good manager who sets them up well technically and tactically at the back they're very solid as they showed against Germany even though you know maybe they should have performed better against a 10-man Germany but then they go out there and they still they finish their chances which is something you cannot you know any team that is able to finish such a high percentage of their chances as Sweden do you cannot be you know dismissive of their chances in the match I would say Switzerland have a better 
team on paper and I would fancy Switzerland going through just because of the teams they played so far and how controlled and good they have been. But Sweden, you know, they have a chance. My hope is that this kind of plays out like the Serbia Switzerland match. Obviously, it won't be as politically uh, hope not. tense, yeah. but uh, it, it could still be quite a tense match just because it's a knockout match yeah. instead of a group yeah. match. But uh, it was a moment. I think it's going to take a moment of magic in this match mm. for either team, and Switzerland are more likely yeah. to have that moment of magic. Like Emil Forsberg is a quality player, but I don't think he has that quality in him to just produce something special. No. He doesn't in a moment like this. Whereas, like, I, he spent the last few years at Stoke, but I, I wouldn't rule out a Shakiri wonder goal yeah. in this match, or even like we saw it against uh, was it Serbia Granashaka from like thirty yards yeah, out. Another fantastic like, goal. Yeah, he, he he can score goals like that. Like he can produce moments like that, despite like some of his other weaknesses in his game. Like and it is moments like that that I think we'll see Switzerland through in this match. Yeah, I agree. It could be another one that goes for penalty shootout. So watch out for that one. Yeah, and of course, I do want to see penalty shootouts. The, the more penalty shootouts, the better, almost. Definitely. And then the the final game of the last sixteen, the first in this side or the first in this round or this side of the draw to not feature a European team, uh, Colombia against England. That's going to be the, the one England fought so hard to get yeah. second place in their group. I don't, you know, England have a historically decent enough record against Colombia. You know, going back a fair amount of years to 1962 it's a pretty decent record they knocked him out in 98 if you remember uh valderrama and co getting just beat out by england and david beckham at the time but this columbia side we have we have to wait to see what james rodriguez if he'll be fit by tuesday he might be it's a long time yeah that 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 is the the biggest talking point for columbia like it all kind of rests on james rodriguez like i think even with james they can still beat england but i think him being there gives them a greater chance of beating I think if him there they're better they have better there's no doubt about who's the better side on paper I think Colombia have very strong defence they don't have a great keeper David Ospina he's a bit of a liability but throughout defence they have strong they have height they have youth in like players like Davison Sanchez Leo Carlos Sanchez there as well uh, Yeri Mina has proved very excellent yeah, for the height yeah, the exactly. aspect scoring two goals in his two games fantastic and Falcao seems to still want it so bad he still wants to play and if you know this looks like one of his last games for Colombia he'll want to deliver on the biggest stage and against England you know especially a country that he kind of floundered in and failed and left in the end two uh, spells at two different big clubs in Manchester United and Chelsea and he never really created anything from them you know, he'll want to show what they missed in the same way that Yanezai did against, uh, playing for Belgium against England. England themselves I'm a bit worried about because there was big talk because they beat Panama 6-1, but then, you know, Panama aren't great shakes, to be honest. And England looked quite poor against Belgium. I know they were playing a lot of the so-called B players, but they're going to play the same system. Harry Kane is probably the biggest quality differential between the so-called England A and the so-called England B and does he do a lot to you know excite you in his ability to break down these really hard strong Colombian defenders Davison Sanchez of course being a teammate of his at Spurs he'll know him very well yeah like I think Harry Kane can kind of come up with a moment on like out of nowhere kind of similar how like similarly to how I was talking about with Switzerland but it'll be harder to come up against against a physical Colombian side. 
and like they will get they physical will. we saw that in 2014 yeah. like they are not afraid to go in hard on a tackle and this is a very as we we have reinforced many times in this tournament already this is a very young England side these are you know not meek but they're not the strongest biggest English players ever to play with the exception of course of Ruben Loftus-Cheek who is a giant giant man but the likes of Jesse Lingard the likes of Raheem Sterling the likes of Marcus Rashford the likes of even Jordan Henderson and you know they're not the biggest strongest tallest players in the world and Colombia will go out to intimidate these players they'll go out to hit them off the ball to leave a foot in a challenge and you know fl- you know bend the rules as much as possible that is be their target with this match and like I said this in the group stages as well after I think it was the Tunisia match of like England will perform maybe not perform better but their matches will be better when they come up against a quality side like it'll be a more open match than Tunisia and Panama and uh, this will also be the first test of their defense True. like Bel- like it wasn't really that their defense that was playing against Belgium like John Stones was playing he came off for Harry Maguire and obviously Pickford started but it still wasn't a proper no, test and of no, the defense everyone wasn't play. motivated to 100% either attack or defense so it's not yet it's more it was very warm up match feeling so yeah like England's competition starts now yeah. really Whereas Colombia, like they've been in the thick of it, trying to get out of this group, yeah. like they similar to they Argentina, to you're it. you're right. Like they had to work very hard and they had to do the most, and they they've played a knockout match already. Then playing Senegal was a knockout match. One of them was going to go out, so they had to win it, and they won it. Yeah, and that's going to be. Uh, I think that could be a huge factor both in this match and the France Argentina match. Like uh, like it, the importance of momentum, and I think England's momentum has been killed by this match. Yeah. It like it seems and that obviously way. the English have been kind of a bit unbearable. Obviously, as we're Irish, we we know all too well how unbearable they can be. Like just, yeah, but that's they, like there there is a they do have an eye on the semi final already. Well, that's which, the advantage like, of going there is into a the worry. side and draw. It is it is absolutely putting the cart before the horse, and it is ridiculous. It's not every English person by any yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, any, I'm not saying it, it is media people, and it's certainly not the English team because they seem to be playing match by match and. You know, Gareth Southgate's been very calculated on what he what he's doing, but I know what you're saying that there is a there is very much if you watch that ITV panel with Gary Neville and Wright and Roy Keane, and you see Ian Wright and Gary Neville discussing possible quarterfinal, semifinal matchups, you can kind of see like what are you doing? Yeah, like Roy Keane said it to yeah. them, like he was like I can't remember his exact comment, but it was basically shut up yeah, to them, yeah. like. And, like, they haven't won a knockout match since 2006. Like, that's a long time ago. And who was in 2006? It was Ecuador. Exactly. And it wasn't a particularly good Ecuador no, side. Like it, it wasn't. Was, like, and then, what is it? Did they win one? In, they didn't win one in 2004. So, we're going back to 2002 for another one against, what was it, Denmark? Yes, I think it was. So, like, that's not, again, that was another kind of port of Denmark side. Like, it wasn't a classic it wasn't Danish vintage, side. wasn't vintage, yes, yeah. So, like, they... Their history in the 21st century with knockout matches is not particularly great. I think Wales have won more uh, knockout matches since 2006 than England have, and they've only played in the Euros. Yeah. Like, I think that says a lot about, uh, like, and, and the mentality going into this match, like, that could be a mental factor going into it. Absolutely. Um, like we said before, it's a young team. They're not, they don't have that big tournament experience. There's very few players in the squad, or rather in the first 11, that have positive experience in knockout tournaments and you know, a lot of young players in there as well and you, you're you like looking to them like Harry Kane is the captain he's not played a World Cup before 
he's not had been there done that and a lot of the players might be looking to him for leadership in this and if it starts going wrong I don't know if he's the man to look to yeah like you have to remember as well like Iceland was only two years ago like Harry Kane played in that match Raheem Sterling played in that match like there are players from that match still in the squad Like they'll remember that that wound is still fresh. Yeah. It'd be a different kettle of fish to that Iceland match though, because Colombia are a better side than Iceland. They have a better way of playing football. They won't be everyone behind the ball. They will open up the match. They're more open. Yeah. yeah. So it won't be the same. But yeah, I know what you mean. That it there could be some psychological scarring there still, and you can like some teams certainly do have it still. You look at Brazil or you look at Paris Saint Germain. It you know. There is certain players that have been badly damaged by huge defeats and you can see it carrying on and then into the future. Whether these England players would be like that or not, only Tuesday will really tell us. And who do you see going through It'll on Tuesday? It would be very tight. I, I can see Colombia winning it because, as we said, they have that desire. They've already started their knockout tournament. They have more experience. They were here four years ago, many of the side were. But they also have big, strong, quick athletic young players that a lot of them do are familiar with the English style of football a lot of them will be aware of what they have three matches now of what to watch of England so you know they'll know what they're playing they have several days worth of rest and that could all work in Colombia's favour I wouldn't bet against a penalty shootout because it is England and they have a habit of getting into a penalty shootout but I think Colombia at this point would be England might be going home on Tuesday they might prove me wrong. Jesus. It would be fun if they did, because if they did, it would mean they would have performed at a high level and would have won a knockout match, as you said, for the first time in 12 years in the World Cup. But I think Colombia might just have enough. If James Rodriguez goes past fit, they do have a lot of quality throughout the side, and it could be too much for this English team playing this hybrid 3-4-3, 3-5-2 formation. Yeah, I, I, like I said back before the competition started, that Colombia-England will be this last 16 match, and I say Colombia will go through, and I think I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. Fair enough. England haven't done anything to uh, change my mind on that one. That's absolutely fair enough, you know. If you stick to your and guns, I, if you got one right, just say it. Argentina are yeah, going to exactly. win World <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And uh, I just realised there, actually, that England haven't had a penalty shootout in six years, so they're definitely due yeah, one. it's about time that we miss them. Yeah, uh, although it was, that was when uh, Pirlo kind of ended Joe Hart's career, so yeah. look for Falcao to end uh, Jordan Pickford's Pickford. Pickfords. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's the last 16 in the World Cup. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to start getting into some to some knockout yep. football now. Let's see the Dower We've football few... takeover. Oh yeah. Health shootouts all around. Dower football all the way. Absolutely. Uh, I'll take it. It'd be great. It's it's. There's nothing better than the World Cup, so um, the, the football is secondary. Of course. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that'll, that'll do us for our uh, preview show for the last 16. I hope you all enjoy the knockout tournament. Uh, and uh, don't be afraid to email us in with your predictions or your thoughts for the, the who's going to win the competition at the tfpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at TotalFootballPod or on Twitter at the tfpod. Uh, tell family and friends about the show. You know, the World Cup's such a special event and we want to be a part of everyone's coverage. Uh, it really is the greatest show on earth, I think. And... Uh, don't forget to subscribe and rate the sh- rate the show or review review the show on your uh, service of choice. And that just leads me to say uh, thank you for being here, Andrew. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for listening. And we'll be back again tomorrow.